0: Welcome
1: to Campfire
0: Fireside Chats.
1: This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Welcome, campers, to this week's Fireside Chat. In this episode, we're doing something a little special. We're continuing our theme for the week of the Bell Witch. And to do that, I had the opportunity to sit down with a very special guest, Heather Mosher. We discussed the legacy of the Bell Witch legend and the mythos that has been built sort of around the cave on the property. Um, the Bell Witch cave has become sort of like a mecca For people who have studied the history and really paranormal enthusiasts in general. Um, As someone who has visited the location a ton of times and she's studied the history of the Bell Witch on a professional basis. We felt like Heather was uniquely qualified to have this conversation. So, I mean, honestly, I just spent about 90 minutes trying to keep up. Um, So... Go in the show notes, find everything Heather's doing. She has awesome stuff coming up. Small Town Monsters has awesome stuff coming up. Um, This is a a really big year for them. So go and support her, go and support them in everything they do. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this fireside chat with Heather Mosier. (sighs) Heather, welcome back you were, I mean you were just here so um, yeah yeah but we're gonna talk about the Bell Witch so I'm I'm super stoked that this is the first time we were actually doing a, a fireside chat that is sort of a companion to that week's episode so <laughs> I'm, I'm stoked.
2: yeah I'm excited always to talk about the Bell Witch
1: yeah so. I knew that and as soon as as soon as I as soon as I decided to cover it I had this in mind so, Yay. I'm, I'm glad you were up for it. Of course. So, before we get into the Bell Witch, how are things? What's um, what's going on?
2: Things are things are very busy. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the biggest thing, work-wise, right now, is uh, Aaron Deese's book just came out. Like, yeah, literally just came out doing really well. Um the Dogman Triangle book. And um it's not called the Dogman Triangle book. (laughs) The Dog Man Triangle. But if Aaron ever wanted to have a children's book, I guess he could just add book at the end and it would work. It's true. Anyway, (laughs) yeah, so that just came out and um and then June third is Monster Fest. So basically the way things have been working at SDM is everybody's just frantic. <laughs> yeah trying to <clears throat> make sure everything is in line and um yeah hope that everything goes well because it's happening no matter what yeah. so uh hopefully hopefully it goes off with very few issues um and it'll be cool to, to have a lot of a lot of people from all over in one place so
1: yeah the big push for monster fest that's mm-hmm i honestly, I don't know anyone in the scene that isn't excited for Monster Fest. So, uh, yeah,
2: no pressure, no pressure.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you guys better do a good yeah. job.
2: Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see the turnout. Um, I think it's gonna be really amazing.
0: Yeah, agreed. And,
2: and then the night before, we're premiering uh, Land of the Missing at yeah. the Kent Palace Theater. So it'll be and i've seen that um and it's really good and i don't mean that in a biased way um as someone who (laughs) works for sdm sure like it's really uh i think it's pretty intense at times so i'm excited to see how that gets received as well
1: awesome what part of monster fest are you most looking forward to
2: Uh, seeing people that's literally (laughs) just meeting people that I haven't had a chance to meet yet. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm most excited about because that's, I mean, the way we work in this community a lot of times, unless we're like actively there filming, but I mean, it's through podcasting or just chatting online. And so, yeah, these events allow me to meet people in person. Which is much cooler than just talking long distance. Agreed. Um, So that's what I'm most excited about.
1: When you Um, go to these conventions, are you a shopper? Like, do you do you end up spending a lot of money when you go uh, to them?
2: It depends. Um, It definitely has happened, but not every time. It also depends on how busy we are, because usually I'm behind a booth, helping. Um, but we do like rotate a lot of times, um, or people just take breaks or whatever. Cause it's usually not like nonstop,
0: yeah. like
2: Mothman was nonstop on Saturday. Um, it w- understandably so. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: so that one was, was harder to get away to do any shopping, but I don't know. I probably will be doing some shopping at this one. I don't know how much, cause I don't know how much I'll be running around trying yeah. to help with whatnot whatever we may need at the time but yeah
1: I mean from what I've heard you guys at, at other conventions you guys always have one of the busiest booths like I mean you guys are Small Town Monsters is a a staple, it's a brand in the community <laughs> right so like yeah. it's, it's one that basically everyone knows about
2: Hmm. Yeah, it was, um, I'm trying to think, like, well, we were at CryptidCon as well, but I just keep going back to how massive Mothman Fest was last year. Yeah. Uh, but it had been on hiatus, so there was also that. that it was yep. the first year back in a while, and I forget. I feel like they said 30,000 people or something ended up coming over the weekend. It was, it was insane. That's so intense. Um, yeah, so everybody did well. I mean, it's it's really good when things are successful and yeah. everybody has a good turnout.
1: Um, oh, definitely. I know um, uh, a lot of the artists who had booths there were like, like the best I, they had ever done at a convention. Mm-hmm. Like far and away. <laughs> yeah. I think just because the numbers were so crazy that year after mm. after what was it two years they took off 2020 and 2021 uh,
2: probably
1: yeah. yeah it was at least two yeah
2: I don't know yeah because I think this was the first time that I worked the booth at ma man I don't know i <laughs> maybe yeah. I don't know time is weird I know <laughs> time is so messed up anymore since covid I know. Um, and everything blurs together.
1: The last three years feels like six months. It yeah. really does.
2: Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, Monster Fest, I'm excited to see how it turns out and to meet a bunch of people that I haven't had a chance to meet before and then see other people that I only get to see at events like this. I'm excited. Um, I'm also really excited that uh, Shannon's coming. Yeah. It's always good to give Shannon a big hug and it's going to be cool to see Aaron and give him a big hug too, because I mean, he's like totally geeking out right now. Rightfully so. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it'll be good to see him again. But,
1: so you want to get into the bell, Witch?
2: yeah, let's do it.
1: Okay. Awesome. So just for those who, Maybe haven't heard the the episode or are unfamiliar with the Bell Witch. Can you give us like a short synopsis? (laughs) A short synopsis of what went on? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'll try to make it as short as possible. Uh, Basically, the Bell family um, in Tennessee, Robertson County, um, right now it's known as Adams, Tennessee, although it wasn't called Adams at the time. Red River. Red River community. Mm hmm. Um, From 1817 to 1821, the family was tormented by some sort of entity. Um, And they... I mean, it it got to the point where John Bell Sr. ended up dead, um, supposedly at the hands of the Bell Witch, Mm -hmm. um, Kate, if you will. Um, She tormented John senior but also Betsy, the daughter. Um she favored Lucy, mm-hmm. the wife. Uh but yeah, it's they say the Bell Witch and they call her Kate because she claimed to be Kate Bass's witch at one point, but she also claimed to be a ton of stuff. So yeah. um it, it she also acted more like a poltergeist than she did a witch. Sure. So to speak. So, um, yeah, that's the short version. There was the, this entity that attacked the family. <laughs> um, and it was so well-known. People came from all over to watch and experience what was going on. Yeah. And um, it would be arguably one of the oldest ghost stories in America.
0: hmm
2: And I believe it's... One of the only ones where a, an entity actually claimed to have murdered someone. I can't think of another one off the top of my head.
1: <laughs> I think it's generally considered the first, right? The first yeah. time that a an actual confirmed death was attributed to mm-hmm. to a supernatural force, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, the reason I love the Bell Witch is because I I put it right up there with like the Jersey Devil as being like grade A American folklore like it's like in the annals of American history forever right? Yeah, Um, I think that a lot of the what some would call tropes of poltergeist Mm -hmm. activity of like the haunted house the classic American haunted house I think come from the Bell Witch story I think a Mm. lot of them originate there and there wasn't a ton of because when you have experiences now it's easy to say like well here's all this source material you could be pulling this from you know what mm-hmm. I mean there wasn't really that aside from like a couple manuals on witch hunting that had been published you know what I mean that yeah. described sort of what it would be like to be under the influence of a witch mm-hmm. which was nothing like chains dragging on the floor and like you know what I mean? A lot of the things we think of as haunted house tropes now came from yeah. this story. They, like, originated here, which is one of the reasons I love it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely a staple, and one that I mean, she even morphed into, I, I'm just gonna refer to her as she, whatever it is, uh, she morphed into like urban legend status as well, where I mean the kids are told to go to the mirror like she takes the place of Bloody Mary
0: oh there. wow I didn't even um, know that
2: yeah you, the uh, I believe what you're supposed to say well not supposed to say <laughs> right. is to go to a mirror and say I don't believe in the Bell Witch, Wow! like three times or whatever and um, she doesn't like that um, <clears throat> but yeah it's like in place of Bloody Mary is the Bell Witch in That's that intense. Area.
1: Is that like a Tennessee thing? It's like in that area? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah
2: it's an area thing. That's cool. Um, so, that was... I mean, I like that aspect of it too. and That's the kind of stuff that really interests me as well. That these stories that have become so ingrained in communities that mm-hmm. they take on shapes that are of a wider phenomenon yeah. that get replaced.
1: So, I've I kind of hate the term "urban legend." Yeah, um, yeah, because I feel like it's um, it's used especially in like academic circles. It's used as like a way to reduce, like it's like a reduction of the importance of the stories. Like to me, it's all folklore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, it's never made sense to me how like. Why eighth graders are learning about like Navajo culture by learning their creation myths and their, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. how is you know Slenderman not a reflection of American culture in the 21st century? You know what I mean? It's yeah, one is valid and one isn't.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Man can't stand that character. Yeah, that that's, that bothers me so great. Yeah. I mean
1: um, it's it's about <clears throat> the darkest reflection of American culture, right? But
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But it is. Um I think like the urban legends, the like creepy pasta, all that stuff is I think it's important.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see I guess well when I say urban legend, at no point have I ever thought of it in a diminishing factor. Yeah. But Maybe it's easier for some people to just write it off if they're like, "Oh, it's just an urban legend." Yeah. Um. But there's more to it than that. It's one yeah. of my. Yeah. No, like you said, it's a reflection of society. Um. Yeah, that's uh, John Harold Run or something. His book, like he's a. Yeah, Jan run Brunvond. I might be saying it wrong. Um, he wrote books on urban legends, um, specifically uh, about a handful of uh, ones that he focused on in the one book that I have. See, according to Wikipedia, which we know is a serious source, he's known as Mr. <laughs> urban Legend. Perfect. Um, but, oh, The Vanishing Hitchhiker. Okay. Yeah, that would be, that's the the Vanishing Hitchhiker: American Urban Legends and Their Meanings. Nice. That's a book that I really enjoy, um, because he goes into not just the Vanishing Hitchhiker, but uh, like the, the dead boyfriend and the, yeah. all of
1: the woman in the white, typical and Typical urban that. legends,
2: yeah, things like that. He'll go into those and then um, talk about the variations. Okay. And um, sometimes how variations you can track where things have originated based on the variations in the legend so
0: yeah
2: um it'd be the same thing i guess if somebody's saying yeah well i go to the mirror and i say i don't believe and you spell which then you can pretty definitively say oh yeah you're from Tennessee." then yeah you're from the <laughs> nashville area um but yeah there's uh there was even I've read other studies where when it comes to like the vanishing hitchhiker, I believe based on the stories that you hear, they can track it back to one variation must've started around the world's fair when the world's fair was in Chicago because of certain details that get relayed. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Anyway. Yeah. yeah,
1: I love stuff like Full that. Other side note. <laughs> I'm, I mean that like, that diminishment, diminishing Mm -hmm. of them Mm -hmm. by, you know, labeling it um, urban legend instead of folklore. It reminds me of like, like literary snobs. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. the, the modern can't share the shelf with the classic, right? That whole idea that like, just because something's a hundred years old, it's more meaningful than something that happened five years ago, you know?
0: Right. Right.
1: It bothers me. Bothers me a lot. Yeah. Um, personally, yeah. I'm someone who doesn't mind putting like Tolkien and C.S. Lewis and Stephen King on the same shelf with like Tolstoy and Shakespeare, and mm-hmm. you know what I mean.
2: Oh yeah.
1: I, I yeah. I just think it's just as important. <laughs> and again, yeah. we could probably talk about literature as a reflection of culture for hours. Also, yeah. but That's not why we're here. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, no, we're here for Kate. Yeah, <laughs>
1: Kate. Speaking of... Okay, since we've touched on the, the fact that some people thought, or it was a running theory at the time, supposedly, that this entity was sort of, like, called down by Kate Bats.
2: Yeah. What do you think about that? I, I think that... <laughs> I don't think that that is what happened at all, and, um... Like, there was an actual dispute with Kate Batts at one point, so I guess it makes sense mm-hmm. if the, uh... entity was... One- okay, assuming... I should preface this. Assuming that all of this actually happened the way that the stories say, Right. It-, it would make sense for this entity to say something like that because, uh there was already an issue yeah. um so yeah it's believable it's the same thing as when the entity also says well i was a native whose burial area was disturbed by the boys when they were digging in the, the burial area like the burial mound and yeah they knocked a knocked a tooth loose and it fell the floorboards of the cabin like also believable, okay? They did that. Yeah. Um but every time that anything like that would be said in like the in part of the story they dig up the floorboards trying to find this section of the skull. Uh she laughs. She tells them that she's a what some sort of traveler that had buried treasure under this massive rock by the river so they Yeah. Spend an afternoon trying to find it, and she laughs at them because yeah. um, her whole point seemed to be to just torment them. Yeah. So, I mean, and,
1: and supposedly she actually added that that story of them digging, you know, moving the giant rock and looking for treasure. She actually like added that to her set list. Like she continued yeah. to tell that story and laugh about it to other people for days. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I... I enjoy reading about the different things that she did just because some of it's hilarious yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, she was wicked, of course, but uh, some of it was just absurd, some of the things that she did. And it was funny, like, whenever um, Andrew Jackson's... When he stopped, and he had his people with him, like his, uh some of his men with him, and the one guy is bragging about being a witch hunter.
0: Yeah.
2: And she was like, Okay, bring it. Yeah. Kind of thing. And he ends up running out of there because he's getting pinched and carried you know, like <clears throat> and by this unseen force to me, that's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, he walks in there all tough and she's like, Okay, let's see what you got.
0: Yeah.
2: Um But uh like I said, that's just taking Taking it all as supposedly it happened. True. Sure. <clears throat> I don't know how much of it is actually true of what what was written down. Um, it's hard to say whenever the first book doesn't come out until well after all of these events occurred.
1: Yeah, it was what, like 60, um, 70 years later, the first book came
2: out? Yeah, because it was like 1894. Yeah. And the promise was that nothing would be released until everybody that was directly re- or directly affected by the witch was dead. Right. So it's not even, like, after <clears throat> all that had occurred, then they all die, then we get the story. So yeah. you can't even go back and ask any of the kids, like, I need your recollection of it. So we just have to take M.V. Ingram's yeah. word for it. And, um, who knows there, whenever, like the community knew that he was writing that book.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So if you go back into like the newspaper archives, you can see that there's, there was this whole thing, um, like around this being published. There's stories about the printer having issues and is it the witch? And wow, it was a great marketing campaign. I feel, Yeah. um, before the book was even released, that they're talking about the issues and it was delayed being printed or whatever because the witch was messing with the machinery and stuff.
1: That's awesome. I don't know. Yeah, I, I yeah. haven't heard that. That's cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> didn't also um, John Junior wrote especially? He wrote about his experiences a lot, didn't he?
2: John Junior? Yeah. Uh, Wasn't it? I don't. I don't think so. I mean. I don't know. I I was under the impression that there was
1: a lot of, like, correspondence and stuff that had been found of the family members discussing their experiences.
2: of the correspondence, like, there's just... Supposedly, M.B. Ingram had access to, like, a journal. Right. um, Which helped him put together his things, but I'm not sure... I mean, I would have to double check, but I'm not sure that anybody has access to that. Or okay. if they do, the family might <clears throat> might have it, but um as far as, like, actual published books there was nothing
1: No correspondence or anything?
2: I mean, there might be I need to go back. I haven't read the original stuff in a good while I've got my anthology here Cause there is that would have been then not an in M.B. Ingrams because there was, that would have been in what Charles Bailey Bell's book.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so.
2: Yeah, there, well, probably then. You probably are correct, Jordan, and you know, know you are. <laughs> you don't know.
0: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, I
2: have no idea. I mean, this sounds like something that would be written down. Yeah, but um, definitely not something that has. I've put much stock in, in my memory for some reason. But if John Bell had letters, see, Jordan, you're making me feel like I don't know this stuff anymore. I'm sorry. If John, no, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> if John Bell had letters, then are, aren't all of the things that she prophesies then in those letters? You
1: would think so, right?
2: Yeah. Do you know about these letters?
1: I haven't. I haven't actually seen them. I've just heard people talk about them. That they're out there. Okay. I know. I'm gonna end up on. dragging now you back into the obsession.
2: You are, because that's the thing. I had gotten into it pretty heavily whenever we were. Well, before we were before I was even involved in STM, I was looking into the Bell Witch Yeah, I was going
1: to say, the Bell Witch was like how you really got involved with Small Town Monsters, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, Because they
1: announced that they were going to, that they were going to make this movie and you were like, hey, that's up my alley. You want some help? That's right.
2: You want some help? (laughs) Exactly. Because I'd already been down there to Adams. Okay, so when you heard this, about the letters. Uh Uh-huh. I feel like this was brought up on Ghost Adventures. Okay. Way back when they did it.
1: I've never seen that episode.
2: (laughs) It's the reason that they haven't done ghost hunting there until recently. They had issues with the whole um just the way that things were supposed to go agreement wise. I think there was not like payment that wasn't given or something. Yeah yeah um so then they shut down ghost hunting in general after ghost adventures came but it's back open now so
1: what would be the first thing in the paranormal community that zach baggins ruined this is true
2: this is true so um yeah i I don't i'm gonna have to look up you've got me caught on the letters thing jordan yeah
1: we can (laughs) touch on that touch on that later again okay Um, I'm curious because I'm someone who hears the the Kate Batts story and I think, like, it immediately reminds me of a hundred years before, right? When you're talking about, like, witch trials and when yeah. America was really in its, like, persecute outspoken women heyday, right?
2: Yes, um, yes.
1: And I immediately think of this as, like, Kate Batts was probably a badass, who, like, her husband was injured, so she became the breadwinner. She was, like, taking care of the family. She was out there doing the things that the community saw as something a man should be doing. She
2: mm-hmm. was
1: also probably crazy as fuck. Like, if you, <laughs> if you take accounts of, like, things she did in church and things she did in public around other oh, yeah. people and... She, she was so, weird. Yeah, she sure. was weird. Mm-hmm. But weird in this time period often becomes, like, evil. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, there's something wrong with her. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the way I tend to hear the, this must have been witchcraft, you know, by the hands of Kate Batts. So I think of her as just, like, a, a persecuted woman. In that moment. Yeah. Right?
2: Yeah. Well, everything, like you said at that time period, I think that's why the idea of the Bell Witch stuff in general. Right. Um, instead of ghosts or whatever, it was just the idea that <clears throat> witchcraft, like you said, is bad. We don't right. understand it. So, which confuses a lot of people. Isn't understood. When
1: they, it confuses yeah. a lot of people when they first hear about this story the, the fact that it's called the Bell Witch. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that like instantly leads a lot of people to lean into the idea that this is like Kate. It was Kate Batts who was the source of it. Yeah. Um, But I just don't even buy a single moment of that. You know?
2: Yeah. I I find it very odd. I think that that was just easy.
1: Just based on the fact that they thought she was weird and she had had these... These two families had been at odds... A number of mm-hmm. times in the past, right? But she yeah. actually got she actually got retribution for those bad deals, right? Like they ended mm-hmm. up suing John and winning because yeah,
2: John ends up um, like excommunicated from yeah. the
1: church. <clears throat> yeah. And on, on top of that, they sue him and they, for whatever reason. You know, in the early 19th century, he didn't get notified about the court case in time and doesn't even go to it. So mm-hmm. the judge just rules in in the bat's favor. Yeah. And I think he ends up having to being ordered to pay them a certain amount of money or... Was it land? Did he actually have to give some of the land back?
2: I don't know if he had to give land back or if there was like an exchange of like a slave as well
1: there's that too right
2: um yeah i don't remember all the details on that one
1: i think it's perfect like when you talk to different people who have who know their shit about this story you get Mm -hmm. different details because and that's like a perfect example of how affected this story is by telephone (sighs) right
2: yeah exactly
1: it's really been happening for like 200 years of telephone
2: well, and <clears throat> Kate Bass, when when I went okay, when I went down to Adams the first time, and I met with uh, Tim Henson, who's the town historian, he mentioned that because he had done a bunch of genealogical research on the family in general,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, that Kate is related to the Bell family.
1: Okay, um, but and, she was at the time, or the families crossed later.
2: No, I think she was at the time. I, fe- I feel like she was related to Lucy. Okay. Um, she was like a cousin or something. I'm almost positive. Interesting. Now I have my <clears throat> my thing from Tim. Yeah. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Probably not, but yeah, she. I feel like that thing just got all blown out of proportion when it came to Kate Bass. I don't know how much at the time that they would have necessarily believed that either. Yeah. Um, especially if they, I don't know. I don't know. Um, let me see. He had a whole breakdown of connections here, but yeah, that was what I'd always heard. Go ahead. Continue. So while
1: you're looking, while you're looking for that, if, Mm -hmm. um, if we're in agreement that this was probably not witchcraft, you know, um,
2: Oh yeah. It's do you buy the something.
1: disturbed remains story?
2: No, I don't I I don't believe anything she says right because, uh, not really because she found it entertaining to just torture them and get them to go in circles trying to figure things out, keep yeah. them on their toes. Um, uh, that's another believable thing. Sure. It's not like there aren't mounds all over the place. There are burials still there. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah the Tennessee Hills are filled are some, with them.
2: They are. And, uh, even above that cave, there are burials. Okay. So, um, cause they've actually done like the radar, the pen- ground penetrating radar and stuff.
0: Yeah.
2: And there are, um, there are burials above where the cave is so <clears throat> there were burials like i mean it was a thing on that land yeah so it would make sense that boys being boys would go and dig around and find a skull and bring it back to the house i mean that yeah no i don't think that it was a disturbed grave i think that she might have been aware
1: of what they. again done.
2: assuming yeah assuming that all of that is true I mean, it makes sense that she would be aware of the things that they've done and would use that against them uh, to try to mess with them.
1: Yeah, this is one of those stories that constantly um, constantly requires that um, Astonishing Legends disclaimer, right? The, if you believe any of yeah. this at all, <laughs> right? Right, like, exactly. Yeah.
2: Yes. Dun, dun, dun.
1: So, if you all don't right. believe anything she said... And she said so much. What does that leave?
2: That leaves a spirit or spirits that simply just wanted to have fun. I don't understand why, though. That's the only thing that I can't... She was never clear on why she hated John Bell, necessarily, or what he did to deserve that, which is that alone allows for... Like artistic interpretation later, when we get something like American Haunting with the idea that maybe he was not a great father, um, and being inappropriate and stuff, but there's no evidence of that. Um,
1: That was like via hypnosis, right? That they that they got that story. That's what I've what I've heard was that. um, Okay, so. What I, what I heard was that there was, and I say heard, I mean read, obviously. What I read <laughs> was that um, the daughter who was, sorry, I have so many names bouncing around in my head. The daughter who was, Betsy. yes, that at mm-hmm. some point Betsy was put under hypnosis. And that during that session, that's when she sort of apparently recovered these memories of the abuse at the hand of her father
2: yeah I don't it went yeah but where did you read that is what yeah, I'm, was it in the book that the movie's based off of because <clears throat> I haven't seen American Haunting in a long time so I do not yeah recall how that even comes about let's see uh abuse no, see in the book, <laughs> the index of the one book that I'm looking at, abuse is all what the witch has done, not what John Bell did. Yeah. Um,
1: I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to look that up. I'm gonna send you some stuff.
2: Yeah, please do.
1: Because I I definitely read that. I'm trying to remember. Where, I I mean, when you're researching for a show, you like it's a lot. You know. Oh
2: yeah went yeah. through a
1: lot of sources but that i mean well, that's,
2: and,
1: that's what i and
2: some of this stuff is going to be fresh like like you said fresh in your mind yeah yeah too um but i don't i don't know she i also wonder if um as far as the the witch itself if it's uh at some point it can't just be one and just one yeah. I mean, you get to the point where there's the witch family anyway, and you hear multiple voices, which I guess if this... She did have the ability to not only recall, like, sermons that were on opposite sides of the county, but she could mimic the voices of people. Yeah. So I guess it's feasible that she could be doing the whole family on her own. Yeah. But to me, between... the the voices that they would hear and then the sighting that Betsy had of the family. I feel like more things come into play at some point. It's not just the one, which then plays into like the modern look at that area. Like the importance of the cave at this point is that it's like a portal, um, is the belief. And there's multiple things that are there. Okay. Um, But I don't know. I still don't understand. I've never understood why she went after John. John. And also, there's an argument of, uh, you know, they say that she favored Lucy, the wife. And she did. She brought her, like, exotic fruits and nuts and whatever when she was ill and, you know, sang to her and all this other stuff. But if she really, really cared about her... (laughs) then how how is torturing her daughter and husband right um how is that okay like how's that being loving and helpful um
1: it's odd right
2: i don't know yeah i don't know i don't understand but um that also then goes to another level of can we understand these things anyway like who are we to understand what
1: yeah exactly your intention is so, before we get to the cave, because I want to talk to you about, like, mm-hmm. I want you to talk about the, like, modern, what's going on now. Yeah. Right. But, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, what, I mean, what are the odds, in your opinion, that this is um, 200 years of telephone added on top of a family dealing with a daughter who maybe has something like dissociative identity disorder?
2: Wow. Uh, I mean, that could be... Uh, that could be, I guess, an aspect of it, except that would... So that would account for the different voices Sure. that would occur. But... This is, again, going with the if one thing is true, then it's all true right. situation. Then how would... How would that reconcile with people coming over to the house and feeling the poking, like mm-hmm. and hearing the voices and stuff continually for right. years as this is going on. That would be quite a show for her to put on for an extended period of time. And then when you get into the witch family and there's different voices and they're different genders. Yeah. How is that happening just with one yeah girl
1: i think that's why i prefaced it with saying 200 years of telephone added on top of
2: yeah that they just add extra stuff that happened yeah
1: um because i mean you and i have both studied history right Mm -hmm. there is a lot of misdiagnosed mental illness there's a lot of of just having a you know people who throughout history who just don't have the context they they can't mm-hmm. there's just no hope of understanding what's actually going on in front of them. Right. You know? Yeah. Um and I kind of part of me because I I love the spooky. I obviously haven't been there. Um mm-hmm. but I I love the story for what it is. But yeah. part of me feels like part of me got the feeling when I was doing the research that like that this was one of those. Where they just didn't have any idea where, you know, they were like four generations of, of social tools away from being able to even begin understanding what their daughter was going through, you know?
2: Yeah, that could be, I mean, that could definitely be part of it. It could also be another thing that you see commonly when it comes to like witch trials are, there's always a young girl going through Puberty. Sure. Like the early stages of puberty or whatever. And then all of this stuff starts up around them. Um,
1: Which is the same case here.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, But it would be, I can't, I can't see that it would be just that. Yeah. And then telephone on top of it because there are so many aspects to this that <clears throat> are are specific to certain areas. Like, uh, there's a... When you talk about the Bell Witch, we're talking about the one in Adams, Tennessee. Yeah, Like, that's the story we're talking about. But once all of this is said and done in Adams, then Betsy and Richard her husband, move down to Mississippi at some point. Well, no, he dies up here, I guess, and then she goes down to Mississippi. Whatever. Right. Anyway, they have their own version of the Bell Witch down there. Um, and there's also a little, like, I can't remember the details of this of this right now, but uh, even in North Carolina, because they came from North Carolina before they moved to Tennessee. Yeah. There's different versions that follow, and Betsy... <clears throat> I don't think she was born whenever or if she was she's extremely little and when they were in North Carolina but um, I don't know that would be a massive game of telephone which I guess over 200 years but even at that we have Ingram's book which is much closer in time yeah and most of what we recite when we talk about the Bell Witch, comes from his account.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you're talking about, like, 70 years of telephone instead of 200, really.
2: Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, 70 I mean, years of telephone.
1: I understand that this theory requires you to throw, basically throw away a massive percentage of the story, right? Like, <laughs> there's, there's a lot there that doesn't line up with this. I just got the feeling that there was something deeper going on with Betsy.
2: yeah. Well, that's entirely possible. I, I don't think it could just be one thing. So... Yeah. If she had that aspect, uh, some sort of identity disorder or associative disorder, then um, a lot of times in stories of hauntings and horrible things that occur, if someone has some sort of mental illness, then that itself can lend to more... Uh, Spiritual things occurring. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily good things either. Yeah. Um, so it could have been, if we go down this route, that maybe she'd have something going on, and that alone, just the energy in the house, the energy around her, had allowed for something to come in. Sure. And and do more harm.
1: For her to be a target um, or a vessel of some kind or.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, that's all a possibility, I suppose. Sure.
1: Um, okay. I just wanted to bring that up because
2: yeah, go ahead, Jordan, bring it up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, okay. So fast forward to today.
2: Mm. How,
1: I mean, how did the cave come into this? Because when you read the original story, I don't really remember hearing much about a cave on the property.
2: Yeah. There's like one story where <clears throat> the kids were playing in the cave And a boy, of course, at this point in time, they're going in with, like, candles or whatever. Sure. And um, one boy gets stuck. The lights go out. He's stuck, starts freaking out. Um, And something grabs him and pulls him out of the area where he's stuck.
0: Okay.
2: Which supposedly is the witch. So that's pretty much the only thing that... I had recalled as well when I was going through, like, that stuck out to me about the cave.
1: So the witch really only liked Lucy and this little boy. In the whole story.
2: Yeah, well, but she did She did other stuff, too, that wasn't horrible, like, even for Betsy. Um, there's a story, I would have to go back and find out, because like you said, things are spread out amongst all kinds of authors, but there was a story that I read where, I think it was Betsy's birthday, that the witch like uh, pulled a sled around outside for the kids for fun. Okay. So she wasn't always horrible.
1: Like when Shriners drive the little kids in the little cars <laughs> at, at street fairs?
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess. That's I don't. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like completely out of character. Um, but there is this yeah. Somewhere there was a story about that. Um, yeah. So she doesn't always... She's not always horrible to Betsy. She just happens to be very not nice to
1: yeah, her. Most of the time.
2: Yeah. I mean, sure. And then she makes makes it so that she doesn't end up with uh, Joshua Gardner. Yeah. She doesn't want them to end up married. And so she... I mean, after John Bell dies, then uh she basically tells Bessie, you know, I he's gonna be like your dad if you continue, like I can take care of this situation. Yeah. As you as you know.
1: Instead um, your so creepy they, ass teacher.
2: Right. Right. <laughs> so then they, so here's another um theory that I had read at some point too was that some of this was Richard Powell being
0: yeah.
2: involved. Um some of this was on was him not betsy it was him trying to manipulate the situation and end up with her yeah
1: it's so it's hard studying history like without (laughs) you know um having modern prejudices you know what i mean Um, yeah It's one of the biggest struggles is not applying modern moral standards to these historic events, right? Because we read now about a 30-something teacher who's, like, working on wooing his, what, 14, 12, Mm -hmm. somewhere like that when it started? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 12-year-old student, like, he's just sitting in class, like, trying to pick out a wife Mm-hmm. You know, we we hear that now, and we're like, "This guy's a fucking creep." Obviously, right? right? But it, yeah, it was custom. But it was different then. Yeah, it was completely. I mean, by all accounts, um, Lucy was all for Betsy being with this teacher, right? Like, yeah, she yeah.
2: Well, he would have been established and. Yeah been able to take care of her. Yeah, it's... You can't, like you said, you can't look at history through a modern lens Yeah, um, and expect to fully understand it. Yeah. That was something that, as a classicist, you, we had to get rid of that, like, immediate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't... <clears throat> you cannot apply today's standards and morals to ancient peoples. You yeah. can't do that to people 200 years ago. Or even just a couple generations back, as far as that goes. Yeah. Because um, it was it was different. It was a different time. Yeah, yeah. we progressed as people, but... Um, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, it was all different.
1: I think we all we all have an exercise in that, which is, you know, most people I know don't hate their grandparents for spanking their parents when they were kids. You know what I mean? Right. Like, even though most of us don't spank our children today,
0: mm-hmm. right? Right.
1: Like, yeah. standards have progressed, but we don't, you know, it's, in that small example, it's easy to understand like things were different then. Like, yeah. society looked at that behavior as correct, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Even, I mean, a lot of people I know, even in our generation, were, you know, went through that as children, and it was perfectly fine. I remember being mm-hmm. spanked by a principal when I was in elementary yeah. school. So, mm-hmm. yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. That's it's just something a, my kids can't even fathom. Exactly, but it did happen. Yeah,
1: yeah. but it was, um, you know, that's just like a small example of how we, when you're looking at history, you have to, you have to understand the context of that history, mm-hmm. right? The social context is everything.
2: Right exactly well even with uh, I mean you can't go into the Bellwitch story and then not also read about the slaves
1: yeah absolutely I
2: mean, they're a part of the story just as much as anyone else but um, it, you can't it was different uh, I mean slavery was allowed back then so um, you have to take it at face value mm-hmm. as it's written this is, this is what was going on yeah slavery is wrong there's no way around that. Yeah, it's wrong. Um, it's always been wrong. You sure. enslave other people. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but you can't. Um, you can't fully understand life at the time unless you kind of suspend this morality part. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's just you can't study history.
1: Yeah. If you, Absolutely. I mean,
2: otherwise a, everything is horrible.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're you're a woman, so mm-hmm. when you, especially going back as far as you do as a classicist, right? Like, yeah, that the lives that women had to lead, you know, hundreds mm-hmm. of years ago. It's yeah, it would be very easy to just say like everyone in this story is a piece of shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, exactly. And then you don't, you don't, if you take that stance, then you don't learn about what happened. You never go deep. You don't understand that, you know, even if everyone's moral standards were dozens of levels below where we're at today, there these stories yeah. still contain protagonists and antagonists, and they're important mm-hmm. lessons to be learned from these histories. Then you yeah. have to, you have to be able to... To remove the that judgment, so that you can get at those lessons, you know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because if you just write it off too, then not only are you missing out on those lessons, you're missing out on aspects of just general folklore. Yeah. That we can learn from. I mean, there are there are tropes in this story that is ref- that are reflected in other stories. Yeah, uh, as far as like the witch tropes, the poltergeist things, like these are common motifs that you can see across different groups of people, different cultures. And you can see how all of this ties in and that just again goes into the human element of things. Yeah. Parts of the stories that stick out to us. That's removing the whole spiritual thing from it altogether, just common tropes that we put into stories, but um yeah you definitely can't. You just got to take it for what it is. yeah I mean there's there's other aspects of study where you can get into the politics and you can <clears throat> put put that spin on it but it's that's not the discipline that I'm in.
1: Yeah <laughs> same same yeah um, so what's going on in Adams County now with with the Bill Witch?
2: So, in Adams, Tennessee, right now, um, I mean, the story hasn't gone away. It's a tourist thing now. Um, Although, I mean, there's still a healthy dose of respect, I think, in the area uh, when it comes to the Bell Witch. Um, Because like I said, kids will still do the, I don't believe in you kind of thing in the mirror. And that's a spooky, spooky thing. The last that I had heard local areas uh, local schools were teaching about this story in their history class um, so it's just a part of their community um, the Bell family does exist I mean it's that their people a family that's still there in that area um, <clears throat>
1: I feel like every documentary on this has like six of them in it
2: yeah the one The one guy... oh, I haven't got to meet him yet. But there's one that shows up in everything. He's like one of the few that are willing to talk on documentary. Because I think after a while, they just get tired of it. Um, But uh, yeah, so you have... Adams, there's like nothing there. It's out in the middle. It's about an hour drive outside of Nashville, like west of Nashville. Just below the border of Kentucky... Um, and, uh, it is nothing. It's a small town with, like, a stop sign. I think there might be one light. It's been a few years since I've been there now. But it's very small. And, uh, the main attraction is that cave.
0: Yeah. As
2: far as bringing people into the area. The old school is... Like the town hall slash history museum slash restaurant. <laughs> I mean, it's Sheriff like all Rock of that us. is in one little area. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All of it's all of it's together centralized in the town, um, and then the cave. Um, but people come from all over. I mean, they get people there every year from around the world that show up to go to this cave. And um, they also have a replica of the original homestead that's built on the property um, where the cave is. So when you go there, you can go through the go through the replica as well as part of your tour if you I want to. I imagine
1: since originally the Bell family had like hundreds of acres, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine that's pretty much been all carved up and sold to various people and <sighs> reused for various things, right?
2: Yeah, so... Um, <clears throat> the the amount of acreage that was there is also disputed through different yeah. sources. I mean, what? how much was the original farm? I'm sure that all of that could be tracked if somebody took the time to go back through land records. But, yes, when... John Bell died when Senior died. The land was uh, distributed, like, it was split up amongst the children, from what I understand. Okay. Um, And then those parcels have been sold off in various forms. Um, So the one with the cave on it um, is owned by the Kirby family right now. But then, where the, like, John Bell... Junior lived. That is on farmland. John uh, John Bell Jr.'s homestead, but then also there is a, a cemetery that was by John Bell Jr.'s house and where the original well is for the home that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, the um, the original Bell cabin. That's all surrounded by farmland, and that is owned. By uh, a family trust, I do believe the Bell family trust. Okay. Um. So there is a a significant chunk that apparently is still together in it, but it's all private property. Yeah. Um. And like where John and uh, Lucy were buried, that's also like up at the edge of the woods and um off this farmland. Like you can't get to it. Unless you know exactly where to walk. Yeah. And then you're on someone's private property to get yeah. there.
1: So don't do that.
2: Yeah, so don't do that. Yeah. Um The original headstone isn't even there anymore because somebody stole it
1: of course years course years ago.
2: Yeah, that's a whole other story that adds to the mythos of this, the bell witch is uh, supposedly some teenagers came and stole it <clears throat> way back when. Mm-hmm. And by way back, I just mean like the 70s or something, 60s sure. or 70s, I think, or 50s, maybe. I don't know. It doesn't back matter. Back when teenagers anyway, were stealing gravestones. Back when teenagers <laughs> were, yeah, making poor choices.
1: Oh, my God. And, um,
2: oh, God. yeah. And our parents anyway, were teenagers. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, they all ended up dead in one way or another, or severely injured. Damn it. Um, <laughs> Yeah yeah um and the mother of one of the boys when she found the headstone in the trunk supposedly drove it back and just dropped it off the side of the road somewhere
0: uh-huh
2: um as far as I am aware it was never recovered so there's a replacement there that actually says it's not the original um headstone but
1: imagine finding it on the side of the road like right <sighs> like now mm-hmm. find it like unearthing it on the side. The yeah. Room. That'd be normal.
2: <laughs> it would.
1: Like opening King Tut's tomb, right? Like, I'm not <sighs> touching it.
2: <laughs> that's right. I mean, if you if you can't take a rock from the cave, imagine taking yeah. the headstone. Right. Of the Bell family. Because <laughs> that's a big part
1: of the modern legend, right? Is the, the whole idea of not taking anything from the property.
2: Yeah, don't take any rocks from the cave is the big yeah. Is the big thing, and when you go there, there are letters all over the walls of the uh, the gift shop of people that have sent rocks back, yeah, because of whatever has happened. But it, it's not just rocks. I mean, that's the big thing, but and it's not just at the cave either. Mm-hmm. The legend permeates the town. So if you go over to town hall slash history museum slash whatever <laughs> the, uh-huh. at the school fire department. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Um, When you go in there, if you talk to like Tim Henson, uh, the museum's in there and he runs that museum, um, they can tell you stories of people that have taken, they call it the little red book, which is M.V. Ingram's book. They'll buy it there um, and then go home and stuff happens and they'll send it back. Or they... um, The first time that I was there, I was talking with a secretary at the town hall and she said that they had, somebody had recently mailed back like a a goose feather or something that they had taken from the grounds because there were geese outside and they just took it. And then stuff happened and they're like, oh no, it's because I took something from Adams (laughs) Tennessee (laughs) and uh, they mailed it back.
1: I mean that's a nice legend to get circulated if you're tired of people stealing shit from your town. <laughs>
2: you that has happened. I mean? yeah. That's uh, so. Um, it was it has to be one of the earliest episodes of the Lore podcast with Aaron Mankey. Mm-hmm. He talks about um, like a ghost town out west somewhere. I, I want to say it was California, but I could be wrong. Um, where they had an issue with people stealing stuff, like tourists taking things yeah. from this ghost town. And so the uh, tour guides started this rumor that they would tell them, you know, if you take anything, you'll be cursed.
1: That's but awesome.
2: then what ended up happening is that it didn't necessarily stop people from taking stuff. They would still take it.
1: It just got them cursed.
2: <laughs> yeah, they would send yeah. it back later. Um, yeah. So I don't know how much it deters people. I mean, some people, I guess, like I... For one, I take rocks everywhere I go, and I didn't take any from the cave.
1: Good job. Um,
2: thank you. That had thank to be you. so
1: hard to resist.
2: Well, yeah, because the cave is. Uh, they have it in. rocks. Yeah, it, they, <laughs> they have it in its natural state. Yeah. So. Like the floor, when you go to something like Mammoth Cave or whatever, some of these bigger caves, the floor is smoothed out,
1: yeah, polished for and roped off, and
2: yeah, yeah. That is not what this is. Okay, this is because um, there's a spring that runs through that cave. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so I can only imagine, like you, you just wouldn't be able to do it. Like when it rains heavily, that whole cave will flood, and they have to close the cave down. So rocks get kicked up all the time. It's yeah. very uneven. Okay. In there. There's no part of that floor that is
1: designed for foot traffic. Easy to walk. Correct. Yeah.
2: Um so yeah, there my point with that is that there are rocks, loose rocks, easily you could pick up and take. Yeah. But I didn't Maybe even
1: in the treads of your shoes.
2: People have absolutely sent back <clears throat> uh things that were in the treads of their shoes. Yeah. Um That's wild. That's in one of the letters. Yeah. Or there's a, there was a letter that was a, a grandmother, like her <laughs> her grandchild had taken a rock from the cave and didn't tell her, and then no. stuff was happening at the house, and when she realized what she'd done, then she sent the rock back. She's like, I told her not to take anything. She did.
1: Do you believe in the curse? Yeah.
2: Um, wow, I feel like you're setting me up to be cursed if I say no. <laughs> Um, so with any of these things, I don't necessarily believe that you're going to get cursed just because you take something. Uh, I think it's more likely that if you already have it in your head, that something potentially could be cursed and then something horrible happens to you later, it's in human nature to try to give a reason why.
1: Right, you gotta find
2: if a pattern. Can't think of any, right, if you can't figure out why, then the only the only difference is well, I took a rock from this cave, it's gotta be the rock. Yeah. Um I do think that there can be attachments to items, but I don't think that every rock from the cave is gonna have an attachment to it. Sure. Um but I just didn't take a rock more out of Almost like a respect for the story. Yeah, absolutely. Than anything else. But, um, I've taken stuff from other haunted locations without concern. Yeah. Uh, and then been told by friends, you've literally written papers on this. What are you doing? Yeah. But, um, it's been fine so far, I think. Good. (laughs) Aren't you a haunted doll buyer? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I have a couple of those. What? I have a couple from the Bellwitch Cave that not necessarily are haunted per se.
0: Just generally Um, creepy?
2: Just generally creepy. I mean, the one has had issues, sure. But, yes. So when you go to the Bellwitch Cave, the first thing you have to do is go into this little uh, building where you buy your tickets. Okay, And in this building that's like the gift shop, You've got the letters on the walls, and the last time I was there, the back wall is covered with shelves of porcelain dolls that are painted to look creepy. Yeah. Yeah. And you can buy them and take them home.
1: Yeah, I've seen some pictures. They... Yeah, yeah. They're pretty awesome.
2: They are. Um. They have had at least one of those dolls has been mailed back to the cave. I bet. Um, Because of stuff that had happened, um, which then they just sold again anyway. Yeah. Um, It's not like they (laughs) tried to save anybody from a curse later. It's just like, okay, whatever. And they put it back and sold it.
1: It's like repoing a car, right? You get to, yeah, you get the money for (laughs) both
2: sales. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, at the Archive of the Afterlife in West Virginia, Uh, Steve Hummel has another one of the dolls that was given to him because he collects haunted items. Um, And it came with a letter explaining that the woman was tired of getting, like, scratched and bit or whatever. Oh, God. Um, And that's Blossom, is that she named that doll Blossom. Um, She's on my, actually, she's on my Instagram. I posted a picture of her not that long ago.
0: Yeah.
2: And said something about, I, I wonder how she's doing. But she had stuff happen. I mean, like, whatever was going on with that doll, it was something that stayed with it because he's had activity with her. Um, and for a while, he actually, like, loaned her out to another location in Marietta. Mm-hmm. And they said they had activity as well with her. So
1: That's awesome.
2: Yeah, I won't get an answer, I'm sure, from Pat tonight. But That's okay. Now I'm curious. Yeah. I went back while you were gone and I watched the scene. Um, well, it was a recap of the bell, Witch cave episode from ghost adventures. Yeah. And there's a reference to a letter that this man found in the pages of a family Bible that talk about the witch, but okay. he wasn't a member of the bell family. It, it was just someone nearby, I guess.
1: I got to figure out where I read that and I'll, I'll get it to you. It's
2: probably like a really obvious thing that my brain is just not registering for some reason.
1: And I could be like slightly misquoting it, you know, and have the wrong idea. And it's just like slightly different than that, you know. And if I have. So
2: you're just adding to the game of telephone is what you're doing right now.
1: Yeah. (laughs)
2: Uh,
1: It's important. Yeah, I would think. I I think the the game of telephone is. That's part of... You know, when you go back and look at... You know, when you... Okay, so like historicism, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Where you actually study the... The creation or documentation of the histories, right? Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I think that's like, obviously... It's just as important as the history itself, right? So... Correct. This, like, what we keep referring to as 200 years of telephone... Is mm-hmm. also the the building of the history of the Bell Witch, right? right. And it's just yes. it just makes it really difficult in modern society <clears throat> to go back and assess the biases of everyone who added a line in the telephone game. You know what I mean? Right.
2: Yeah. What you could do, I mean, if somebody really was inspired to do. You could go back to the earliest story that you could find and then move forward, see what gets added. And then try to figure out around the time-wise, like, when that got added. But you have to look out, like, look beyond the story itself to figure out maybe why. This was something that I did um, for a thesis that I wrote about, Julius Caesar's memory. You have to look at what's going on in politics at the time, what's Mm -hmm. going on in the communities at the time, because historians are still just people. Yeah. And um, they are very much able to be influenced. Their opinions can be thrown in there. It's
0: um,
2: not all straight fact-telling. Rarely But it would be interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It would be interesting to go back through the Bellwitch story and see when things get added um, and figure out maybe why that might be. Um, Yeah. Because undoubtedly at some point, some part of her story was embellished to prove a point or to...
1: Tell a good uh, story.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that some of that was immediately upon mb ingram's retelling of it anyway yeah so absolutely yeah
1: i mean i've i've done a lot of that and it's like deep not on this story but in general well in school right um Mm -hmm. there's a lot of that the most modern version was writing about the quebec diaspora the where Mm -hmm. you know Hundreds of thousands of Quebecois moved from into the Northeast in the U.S. and there are. I mean, it, it's really because there are so many competing biases, you know, in stories yeah. like that that have political aspects and they, mm-hmm. yeah. So you get completely different versions written from different perspectives, right? Yeah. So, I'm used, I'm used to stuff like that, but. I don't know. It's. Mm. I love the idea of taking a story like this and going that deep with it. You know. Yeah.
2: Um, Well, there's enough material. Makes it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's actually viable. Busy for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I think because that's
2: my next project. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'll add that to the list.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. I think because um, stories like this are so often covered at surface level. You know what I mean? Um, especially in mm. in our, I'll say in our industry, right? There's, I mean, the podcast world in particular is just filled with people that are just reading Wikipedia pages yeah. on their podcast yeah. and then putting it out for the world. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I love the idea of going deeper with it.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um I just need someone like to like to have... pay me $20 an hour to do that.
2: Yeah. That's true. I um I don't know, I'd love to go deep into that. I now I'm going to have to. Is what's going to Jordan.
1: <laughs> You're welcome.
2: Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. I <sighs> Yeah. This is one of the things that like they're <sighs> with some of these stories that we cover and the things that we uh that we talk about whether yes. it's spooky stuff it's whatever there are people who have already for a lot of them who have already gone over these stories and mm-hmm. they've done an excellent job of doing so yeah um for some that would deter them from adding their name to the list of those who have studied it because i mean it's about making a name for yourself sometimes right so sure. why would you want to add your name to the list People that have already done this, yeah. But for something like this, I mean, there's always new ways to look at it. It shouldn't discourage people from wanting to like thoroughly study the Bell Witch. Yeah, there's more to it that hasn't been that hasn't been touched upon. even in a modern sense, you could just study it purely from a modern aspect. Um, and some people have done that, I, I haven't had a chance to see her dissertation yet. But um, a friend just. Got her dissertation to be in like book form. It'll come out in July, but it's about like dark tourism, cryptid tourism, yeah. Um, industry and just from a modern perspective, like focus on that if you wanted to study that. Yeah, I don't know why I'm on this line of study stuff, guys, but (laughs) (laughs) just go beyond the surface level with any of this.
1: Yeah, I Um, agree. That's, I mean, that's honestly, that's one of the reasons I was so excited to do this. Interview paired with the actual episode because it allows us to go even deeper and talk about, you know, because mm. primarily in the episode we during the debrief we basically focused on details from the account, um, right from Ingram's book um, that mm-hmm. didn't make it into the the opening story, right? So we like we, yeah. we were talking yeah. about details, we theorized. Um, we But we didn't touch much, much on the legacy of the mm-hmm. story, right? And that's that's really yeah. why I wanted to do this. And I think we did a good job. I'm excited. Yeah. This was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I had fun. Oh. Now I've got more stuff to research.
1: Yeah. That's but what that's, friends are it's, for.
2: It's fun. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, you're so welcome. Uh, (laughs) Um, before we go um, Mm -hmm. tell the people where to find you where to follow you anything great you have coming up that you'd like them to check out
2: okay so um, you can follow me on Instagram at Pagan Historian Um, if you follow Small Town Monster stuff you'll find things that I'm involved in we've got um, of course Aaron's book just came out the Dogman Triangle book (laughs) Uh, Monster (laughs) Fest is coming up um, I will be presenting the Haunted America conference. Um, Where is that? Which is at the end of June. It's in Alton, Illinois. Okay. Um, at the end of June, and I will be talking about uh, Headless Ghost. Excellent. So that'll be fun. Um, and then the next like thing after that, I think I'll be talking at it, it, uh
1: There's a name. <laughs>
2: Yeah, buddy. Uh, which is in August. Hey, so embrace
1: the folklore, English. right? That's <laughs> right. The
2: well, they're reviving it. I yeah. love it. Yep. I love that. So...
1: I know I keep yeah. seeing these pictures of the squonk with the hodag, and I'm obsessed. Yeah. <laughs> I want it to be a Saturday morning children's show.
2: Oh, I should pitch that to Lisa. I should tell her. Yeah, um, yeah when you talk about going to festivals and spending money... Uh, that's what I've done with, Lisa. Any, with all of Lisa's stuff. <laughs> yeah. I just, even right now on my desk, I have some of the Cryptid Comforts things. That's awesome. Those yeah. are adorable.
1: Okay. So if you want <laughs> to follow Heather and Small Town Monsters and keep up with everything they're doing, you can go open the show notes and links to everything she mentioned will be in there, including Cryptid Comforts, because Lisa is awesome, friend of the show. <laughs> go spend some I money because she makes incredible stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. thank you so much for doing this
2: yeah thanks for having me
1: yeah any any time (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you thank you from the bottom of our weird possibly alien maybe ghostly probably cryptid hearts for listening we absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on we want to get to know each and every one of you. So please come and check us out on all the socials at campfire.tails.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at campfire.totsau on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time. I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers. Stay weird. And trust but- in the unknown.